Welcome to Destination DIY. I'm Julie Sabatier. This month's episode is all about peer-to-peer healthcare. It's a do-it-yourself approach to finding treatments for diseases that are poorly understood by medical professionals. But first, let me tell you a little bit about our sponsor, Squarespace. Building your own website is a great way to showcase your other DIY projects. Squarespace has over 20 customizable templates that make it easy to design a blog, a band website, a professional photo portfolio, or an online store for your crafty creations. Squarespace is perfect for DIYers, but that doesn't mean you have to do it all by yourself. They have an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. So head over to squarespace.com to start a free trial with no credit card required and begin building your website today. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code DIY. That'll get you 10% off, and it shows your support for Destination DIY. Thank you so much. DIY means do-it-yourself. Sometimes I can do without help. DIY means I try to do it all by myself. La, la, la. If you're feeling sick, Looking up your symptoms online is not always the best idea. But if you have a disease that's poorly understood and often overlooked by doctors, the Internet can be a powerful tool. Patients with rare diseases are finding each other online, sharing resources, and in some cases, they're discovering treatment options on their own, without help from medical professionals. Sarah Yam has the story of one woman's quest to empower people like her who suffer from a condition that makes it difficult to even get out of bed. We're ready, Jen. So, um, what's your name and how old are you? My name is Jessica Taylor and I am 22 years old. Jen Brea is interviewing Jessica Taylor for her documentary film from her bed in Princeton, New Jersey. Jessica is also bedbound, but she's in London, staring up at the camera while a film crew frames the shot from above her head. And I'm watching the whole thing via Ustream from my house in Providence, except the live stream isn't working. I've been living in bed since I was 15. The um, Skype's gone. Like, right. I don't know what's wrong with her internet. Jen has myalgic encephalomyelitis, also called ME a poorly understood and debilitating autoimmune disease that affects an estimated one million Americans. Because people with ME have trouble tolerating bright lights and loud noises and sometimes can't get out of bed at all, their stories are largely unheard. You can't lobby for research funding, Jen likes to point out, when you can't even make it to the mailbox. So she raised more than $200,000 on Kickstarter to make a film called Canary in a Coal Mine. She wants the film to shed light on the everyday experience of living with this condition. Here's a clip from the Kickstarter video. It was what should have been the happiest moment of my life. I was engaged with the love of my life. I um, was a PhD student at Harvard. And then, wham. I had a 105 degree fever. It lasted for 10 days. The doctor had said to me, everything you're feeling is in your head. I had a blackout when I came to. I couldn't read a word. I disappeared entirely, and no one knew why. Jen first got sick three years ago, and although there have been ups and downs since, she's still mostly housebound. She did get married, and she's currently on medical leave from her program at Harvard. When Jen and I first started talking this winter, she hadn't been able to leave her house for the past six months, and she spent her days almost entirely in her downstairs bedroom. But she remains connected to the outside world through Skype. That's how I got to see how she organizes her life from bed. Hello. 
There you are. This is my bed. Um, lots of water. There's that magnesium oil. Um, my tea kettle, so I can have tea without leaving bed. I mean, everything is kind of set up to like have everything be, if possible, at arm's length. She's sitting in bed surrounded by pills and supplements. Let's see. I mean, it's really complicated. I have boxes of supplements that I take every day, and I was really self-conscious about them until I saw another patient posting their boxes. So I, I take a few things that help a lot, and I take a lot of things where I have no idea if they have any effect at all, <laughs> but I take them on faith. What helps me the most are my magnesium injections. Even though this disease has physically isolated Jen, she's found a rich community of fellow sufferers online. She had to. When she first got sick, her doctors didn't take her seriously. They told her that her disease was all in her head, stress about her doctoral program. And even when she did get diagnosed, she discovered quickly that her doctors couldn't really help her because there's so little information out there about ME. I take digestive enzymes, hydrochloric acid, B-complex vitamin, systemic enzymes as well. I take... Out of desperation, Jen turned to forums on the internet, where people with similar symptoms traded treatment stories. Jen started following the Amazon reviews of a fellow ME sufferer and trying out the products she recommended. Every time I thought I found like a new product to try, and I thought I was so clever for discovering something new, I would find that she'd already reviewed it. And so I finally went, went to her profile, and there was one thing that she raved about, which was transdermal magnesium oil. And it was the most amazing thing. Now Jen injects herself every day with magnesium, and without those shots, she's not sure she'd ever be able to get out of bed at all. We're all experimenting on ourselves and have way more access to human subjects than the researchers do. And so there's just a, a, a huge wealth of, of information that we collectively hold. And I think the burden that we have and we haven't quite figured out how to do yet well is to gather like meaningful information from it that's more than this chance encounter I had with someone's Amazon review. This type of self-experimentation understandably freaks out the majority of clinicians. But there's a new wave of doctors, researchers, and patients who are trying to make meaning out of the messiness of individual experiences. Susanna Fox, assistant director of the Pew Research Center's Internet and American Life Project, studies this emerging phenomenon. It's called peer-to-peer healthcare. The most well-known example is the company Patients Like Me. Through their website, they crowdsource data from hundreds of people with ALS, also called Lou Gehrig's disease, in order to determine whether lithium was an effective treatment. And they were able to conduct this experiment much more quickly than a clinical trial could be recruited and put into the field. And unfortunately, what they found is that lithium did not slow the progression of the paralysis that comes along with ALS. The treatment didn't work, but the platform did. By carefully tracking their data, their own data, these patients were able to show faster than any pharmaceutical company, faster than any academic medical center who would conduct a clinical trial, that patients should not take lithium. And sometimes in medicine, that finding is just as important as a finding of a miracle drug. According to Susanna Fox, this is just one example among many of a new trend where doctors and researchers are beginning to acknowledge that patients have their own expertise. Patients spend years observing their own 
bodies, and they have deep expertise. And what I think the internet is allowing us to do is spreading the tools that people need to track those conditions. On a very literal level, Jen sees her documentary film as another way of collecting and tracking patient data. She wants to create visual evidence of what life is like with ME to help patients navigate the medical system. Jen's subjects are filming themselves with whatever technology they have on hand so that they can document the ups and downs of this erratic and poorly understood illness. You know, very often when we do go to doctor's offices, it's really hard for us to perform our symptoms on command and hard to even describe them. And so the extent to which you, know, you, you have a camera there at three in the morning when something really devastating is happening, it's, it's helpful you know, to doctors. It's also helpful for, for showing in the film what this illness is. Jen believes that illness communities can save people's lives. And she wants this film to both document the Emmy community and help grow it. But it's hard to make a documentary film from your bed. And it's even harder when the people you're talking to are sensitive to light and loud noises and sometimes thousands of miles away. So she's hired film crews around the world and created a variety of technological hacks that allow them to be her hands and eyes. She's installed a video encoder on their camera that sends a live feed to her laptop. Then she texts the director so that they can adjust the shot and get the footage that she wants. And for the interviewing process, she's created an ingenious system where her image is projected onto the camera lens itself using a two-way mirror. And then the interview subject can look directly into the camera but see my face, and then I can see them. So we can have a kind of connection of, of body language and facial expression that you would have in person. So it's not quite being in the room, but it's, it's getting as close as I possibly can be. An ingenious system that today hasn't worked very well at all. There's no stream because we're having trouble even keeping Skype up. It's just very bizarre. And Jen was so exhausted that she had a flare-up and briefly lost her voice and could only speak in a whisper. But after hours of tinkering on the London side and a few hours of rest on Jen's end, they're finally able to make contact. And when it works, it's kind of amazing. These two bedbound women across the Atlantic Ocean talking to each other face-to-face. So when was the last time your feet touched the ground? The last time my feet touched the ground for standing up was over eight years ago. It's such an immense amount of time to have gone without touching the floor. Um, About a month ago, I touched the floor for the first time and I d- it was magical it was it was it sent nerve signals up my body that were um it almost like they were getting ready to stand type thing and it was just immense and um so so I don't know how people everyday people don't get up every morning and just like jump for joy at the fact they can just get up just stand up and realize what a miracle it is that they're standing you know unlike jessica jen can get out of bed and stand up but only for about a minute at a time before she has to lie back down again but making this film allows her to leave her room move across an ocean and become the person she was before she got sick an adventurer, an explorer, 
a world traveler. And the better I get at figuring out ways to bring me more into the room through technology, the more I have a sense that even if I never leave my bed, maybe I could be a filmmaker. Maybe this doesn't have to be my first and last project. I had this amazing moment um, near the end of, of a sort of two and a half day shoot in Denmark where the cinematographer there puts the camera on the hood of a car and the producer went driving through the countryside at sunset and it was gorgeous. There were, you know, silhouettes of trees and this really orange red sky and the gravel was like this kind of beautiful blue color that everything, you know, kind of becomes at, at dusk. I can't do that for real, but I can do that for film. And um, that's um, a really meaningful, sad and wonderful approximation. There are other people with rare diseases all over the world hacking their way out of their bedrooms and trying to connect with each other. Susanna Fox calls them the alpha geeks of healthcare. They are the lead users. They're the healthcare hackers. They're the people who are going to find a solution with whatever they can get their hands on. Or they are, as Jen says, the canaries in the coal mine. As chronic diseases increase across the United States, more and more of us will be using the tools that they develop to share our stories, to find the best doctors, to track our own symptoms, and draw on our collective wisdom as patients. Thanks for tuning in to Destination DIY. This month's episode was produced by Sarah Yam, with a little help from our engineer, Brian Kramer, editor, Laura Haddon, and me, Julie Sabatier. Jamie Cuddy is Destination DIY's associate producer, and we're excited to welcome our summer intern, Sasha Peters. Gray Ann created the Destination DIY theme song, and in this episode, you heard music composed and performed by Jason Leonard. We get legal help from Cole Haver. Support for Destination DIY comes from Leanne Locker and Associates, crafting strategic arts and letters for good. And we couldn't do what we do without the support of our spectacular, generous, and fantastic listeners like Lola Lynch and her dad, John Lackman. Take it away, Lola. This is Lola Lynch in Hatfield, Massachusetts. The Destination DIY podcast is available for free pretty much any way you want it. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course, you can always find them at DestinationDIY.org. You'll find photos, audio archives, and all kinds of web-only content. All the details are at DestinationDIY.org. The team dishes out DIY news and other findings via Twitter and Facebook. Just look for Destination DIY. And don't forget, it's not too late to support the show just like I did. Just look for the Please Donate link on the website, DestinationDIY.org. Thanks for listening. D-I-Y